Good day, my friends. This is Under Review, the tennis podcast from an insider's perspective. I'm Craig Shapiro, and on the show, I talk with the most interesting voices in the sport. We've got a great show for you today. We're at the Indian Wells Tennis Garden, and we're talking tennis with a guy who's truly on the inside of the cutting edge of tennis technology. He trained under Jose Higueras. He's a member of Novak Djokovic's inner circle. And he sits in Larry Ellison's box at the BNP Paribas Open. He's invested in the future of tennis like few others. And chances are you've never heard of this guy. Pretty sure he likes it that way. If he didn't, his court sense coaching system would be called the Euling coaching system. Gordon Euling is going to tell us why he's all in on UTR. How he formed a lifelong relationship with Novak Djokovic. Now everything from spirit to gate will help players succeed in the next decade. We're outside of Stadium One here at the BNP Paribas Open. The gentleman you hear is a very inside guy that I'm certain many of you don't know about. His name is Gordon Euling. Uh, my man, it's great to see you. Good to see you. I have to tell you, it's a kind of an embarrassing thing. You know, the first time I ever saw a drone <laughs> was the day I went to your house <laughs> in Jersey, and you basically pulled a drone out of a box, you set it up, and you started flying it over, you know, the tennis court. That's before anybody really knew about drones. My man, I was embarrassed (laughs) because I felt like I should know about these drones, and it was you who showed me the drone. That's fun, Um, that's fun. Let's get right into this. We do a five-set format. Um, Our first set, we call this the -the off-the-court report. Um, First of all, I describe you as a tennis entrepreneur, mm. um, but also you're an expert in tennis sports science. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I tell everybody I'm in the passion business. And if you're in the passion business, you want to help people. I find that sports science is a great way of doing it. The objectivity with also some of the creative areas that you can help somebody. So, so you are court sense? Court sense, yeah. You are PlaySight? Well, yeah, I'm an investor and advisor Been from the beginning of PlaySight. And you are UTR? Yep, definitely involved with UTR. Mark Leshley, he's a, he's a rock star. And and you have the distinction of being a close friend and confidant of Novak Djokovic. I am, yeah. He's, he's a special, special human being. And when did that relationship start? When he was 15, you were working with juniors and then you met him? Is that the story? He was 15 years old. I had a player, uh, Luis Flores, who actually beat him in Milan, Italy. And Luis beat him 6'3", 6'2". And after the match, I said, Luis, that was one hell of a win. He was a year and a half younger, Novak was. And he said, oh, yeah, another kid. And I, I just mentioned, uh, you know, this, this is a special dude that you just beat. And I went up to Novak and said, keep your head up. You, you've got a bright future. I, I, it was pretty obvious how special he was. And then six months later, Novak wins a challenger. And then uh, fast forward, he's about 20 years old. And through a mutual friend, hey, can maybe Novak stay with you during the U.S. Open? I said, I'd love to. I remember that kid at 15 years old and then uh, 16. And... And uh, we started a really special relationship from there. Now, listen, we know that your daughter is a singer yeah. and a songwriter. Is she that is. right? She's a singer-songwriter, And, yeah. and uh, is it true that Novak walked to her track last night? Yeah, he did. He did. What's he, the story behind that? She, she wrote a song for the Novak Djokovic Foundation, and uh, it's become the theme song. It's a very heartfelt song that she wrote when she was 10 years old. And she performed it actually at the Novak Djokovic Foundation in Milan, Italy, in front of at the event yeah, at their Serena gala. Williams and Giorgio Armani. She was on the red carpet. It was incredible. Tell you your dreams are too big. 
don't let your ego turn people away. If you can make and Novak, he's, he's just such a great person to my kids. I mean, he treats them like his own. And uh, we had a special day there. But, you know, all the money to this song goes to the foundation. And what is Novak's foundation finance? What do they do? What yeah, they so what they're doing is uh, early childhood education in Serbia. So he's setting up schools and just doing tremendous things there. For those, those that aren't less fortunate, yeah. I assume. Exactly. And then there's another song that uh, Jack in the Box that hasn't been released yet. That at four one the second set, Novak didn't know it was gonna be on. I said to Tommy, you know, you want to get a, a nice smile out of Novak during the match, put on Jack in the Box. All of a sudden, he's sitting there, he's looking down, and he's listening. He looks up, kind of like, wait a minute, that's that Zia. And then it is. And then I yelled out, No way! And I'm in the box, you know, on the, the other side, and. And he looked at me and he big smile and he started dancing for a second. So it was a, a nice little moment. And Zia was on FaceTime, so she got to experience it virtually. Outstanding. And your son has some notoriety because of UTR. On Tennis Channel, they did a thing on, on my son. He, he got to the finals, won 100 bucks at 10 years old. And he beat a 58-year-old guy who served in volley. Then he plays a 16-year-old girl. Right. Then he plays a 14-year-old girl. Then he plays a six-foot-one. 180-pound guy who's a beast of a guy serving 110 miles an hour. He loses 6364. It's a dog fight. He wins 100 bucks. It's unbelievable. The experience. When are you going to get that in juniors? Never. And these are all an hour and 40-minute matches. They're dog fights because they're all the same UTR. UTR is the universal tennis ranking and it's intended to replace all of the other regional ranking systems that are currently being used. First of all, how does it work? What is UTR? U UTR is basically a, the ability to rank somebody from a beginner all the way to Novak Djokovic. So Novak is like a 16.4. My son, who's 11 years old, is a 7.4. And you have somebody that just started tennis, they might be a 1.3 or 2.1, right? So what's it like a top college player? Top college player is like a 13 and above, uh, you know, maybe even a 14. And, uh, you know, the girls are around 11, 11 and 12. And what's like an out of shape 4.5, used to be maybe a 5.0? Yeah, it's probably a 9.5, you know, something like that. 9.0, yeah. 9.5. And we read your 10. I'm a 10.5. It's a self-rating. And when I played, I was probably a 12.5. I'm not competing anymore, so Gordon, I, I figured I'd give myself a nice low rating. If you, <laughs> Gordon practices with Novak. Gordon's a world-class player. He's the real thing. Um, one, one so thing that I'd makes be, you 10.5. 10.5, maybe, maybe, maybe if I started training, I'd maybe 11.5. So you're a 46-year-old, non-competitive, but... You know, I played for nine years yeah. on the tour, and you had the 900 in the world, 800 in doubles. Five. But what's amazing about UTR is that you have all gender and age, anybody can play with each other. So it, it allows you to have the ability to get communities playing together, and all of a sudden, hey, you have a, like my son, he's 10 years old, playing a 58-year-old in a tournament. I mean, imagine, it was, it was an incredible experience for him. Incredible. Now your biggest thing is Court Sense, is that right? Can you explain that, what is Court Sense? Court Sense is a program that I always dreamt of having for children, adults. The combination of sports science plus the art of coaching equals magic in my mind. And I, I wanted to put together a team of coaches and be part of that team. You know, I named it Court Sense because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be way beyond me. Court Sense, though, it's 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 a it's, it's a, a tennis program, it's a, an academy. It's also a teaching philosophy, and and we have a whole online platform of coaching coaches on the philosophy, methodology, and really organizing, understand physiology and psychology, and it's quite uh, many years of work putting that together. What is different about your program? How are you teaching elite players different than ten years ago? 
Well, technology, the advancements in technology is huge. The other thing is creating a program that has a, a methodology and a philosophy and vocabulary that everybody's on the same page to communicate about a player and having protocols is huge. And that's one of the things that I, I wanted to develop right from the beginning. It wasn't about developing players, it was about developing coaches, because if you have the coaches, then all of a sudden, now you can help the players much more effectively. What so, and some of the terms that you guys talk about when you're talking amongst your, each other, the coaches and stuff, what are some of these new terms that we're hearing over and over? You know, I, I hear about it a lot of, you know, kind of the player's breaking point. How many, how many- like shot tolerance? Shot tolerance, the number of- Yeah, like uh, where, where you, you all of a sudden break down. Where you break mentally. down, yeah. mentally. That, that, that could be technically as well. You know, there's, there's so many things. There's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual that we look at for a player. And you want to be really aligned in all those areas. So you look at any top player, they're, they're really on it in those areas. So we need to then figure out with a player, you know, how's their spirit? Are they tapped in? Are they really engaged with the moment? Is, you know, are they managing their energy properly? Are they recovering properly? The stress and recovery, you know, the oscillating. All these things are so important, right? That, that you got to consider so many different things out there. Everybody I mean, got to listen. Everybody yeah. gotta listen <laughs> up, man. Gordon is on top of this. Incredible. <laughs> what are some of the technologies at your clubs and at the at the programs that you guys are using? PlaySight. PlaySight. We talked about it often. Is it's an Israeli Air Force technology on a tennis court, so it gives you all kinds of data without having to touch a button. It's just another great way of communicating what you want to communicate on a tennis court to a, to a player. We're gonna have the ability now to take the kiosk and put it in your hand on an iPad. So I could be, let's say on court two, watching somebody play a match, and then they, there's a moment, that aha moment, I could then show them from six different cameras what I want to show them in that moment, whether it's something constructive or it could be something really positive reinforcement. Now, by the way, during a changeover, I glance over at court five, I just switch on the kiosk in my iPad, I'm in the corner of the court and I look over there, I glance, oh, did I just see that? I go to court five, I see it, oh, that, I did see that. I'm gonna walk over there, I wanna talk to the player. I could show them now from six cameras, imagine. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The ability now to communicate, and by the way, after that, look what happens. I could do a little recording and then put it in the cloud so now other coaches can see my insights, we're all on the same page. It's like a TV truck that you got can it. bounce every single thing, angles, calls, That's right. statistics. So, and, and I didn't mention that, I'm on court two, and I've been really intensively watching the court two, and then on court five, I'm curious about that court. I can see their statistics in real time. Like, what's the first serve percentage of, of little Joey? And then I can say, oh, he's 40%. What's going on there? I gotta maybe head over there and check out what's going on. I mean, you can't do, I mean, that's incredible. It's, that's it's incredible. Incre it really is incredible. There's another technology, it's called OptoGate. O-P-T-O-G-A-I-T. OptoGate. Opto what's that? OptoGate evaluates your body at one thousandth of a second, your movement. So now all of a sudden you can see in your gait whether you're gonna be, you're trending toward an injury. Ah, uh, your gait. Your gait, your, your, the way you walk, run, you jogs, move. move. And all of a sudden I can see if an athlete is trending toward an injury and if, if they're moving efficiently in all directions, right? So we're able to see that. Now imagine that with a child and you're, you get their gait in line because over time you start, yeah, you twist an ankle. Now your gait starts changing. All of a sudden your back starts hurting. You know, we can, we can predict these things now. It's just, it's wild. Right? We also have this Gordon, thing called- man, Gordon's in the matrix of tennis, <laughs> man. You are, you're yeah. in the matrix. We also have areas in the brain. There's a, there's, there's a Brain HQ, another incredible technology. This is Dr. Brain Gorman. HQ. Brain HQ, we're able to now see, work on the brain, seven regions of the brain, and you, you can help with, with brain speed, right? It's, it's a muscle. 
So all of a sudden, if you know to see things quicker, that that split second, are you seeing it? a lot? Yeah, a lot of players. It's as if they they're they're really fast. You have them do you know a sprint, but their brain speed is it's as if they have a 50 pound vest a weight vest on them because their brain speed isn't as quick. And, right? and so, you can shake that. You can you can you can work on something. You, you work can, with it. Yeah. I mean, we, we do all kinds of fitness using this at our at our facilities. And again, I learned from about this from I'm very inquisitive and I look out there and say, hey. What is it that's out there? And I met a guy named Dr. Gorman who, I mean, this guy. Where's this guy? He's in Mayopac, New York, and he's an advisor of ours. And he, you know, is an advisor of the Navy SEALs, Major League Baseball, uh, it goes on and on. His resume is, is, is impressive. And, you know, for me, I, I'm a team builder. I love putting people together and it, it's just who I am. It's, it's in my fabric to see special people and put these all these puzzle pieces, hey, how can we combine this and all work together? That's incredible. And you know, one thing I find is, one thing we look for in our coaches, and we interview five or six interviews before we take anybody on, is you want to be part of a team. You want to be part of something that's cutting edge. You want to be part of something that is really, you know, pioneering. And are you open to doing that? Or are you kind of stuck in your, your where you want to go and you've done it this way? No, we really like people that like right. to be innovative and, and, and move forward. What is the biggest, what are the biggest problems in tennis at, at that developmental camp junior tennis mm. level? What are, what are the biggest problems? My humble opinion is, is, is a cohesiveness and a, and a methodology where everybody's on the same page. You know, like I said, when we hire coaches, we we say, can you check your ego out the door and have a big ego for the team? Can we all, what's the best thing for the player? And I find that there are a lot of people that have different philosophies and ways of going about and, and they're touching the same player. And when that happens, the player gets confused. And, and then if you have multiple coaches with different angles, ah, I mean, you, you, you have a problem on your hands. All right, this is our second set. We call this our On The Court Report. We typically talk about players on the tour, but I feel like you have more insight into players who will be on the tour. The game is evolving and changing rapidly, and you have a coaching system that's cutting edge. So let's just start there. How are you teaching stroke production now that's different than 10, 15, 20 years ago? I mean, it seems like Murat softened the backhand became like a lefty forehand. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like, generally speaking, the super open forehand has closed a little bit. Yeah, the grips have changed a little bit. I mean, you're not gonna have a Burastategi, I don't believe, in tennis anymore. Burastategi's over. Extreme, no it's shot. in a continental grip reversed. So, I mean, it's like, I don't even know how you even get a ball over the net. But, so. but but is there room for different styles? Do styles still make fights in tennis, or are we seeing just a homogenized style? No, I think there's definitely some variety. There's no question. Um, one thing we do look for is having a full core game. I mean, I, I think much less specialization in the game today, and you want to be able to play on all surfaces. You want to be familiar with all the zones of the court and really competent, and, and I think you see that today. The great athletes that really understand the court much better. Now, they're, they're starting to go to the net maybe a little bit more, but you know, for many years, they, they weren't at all. There was just like total baseline. I mean, obviously in the 70s and 80s, everybody served and volleyed for the most part. Then it got to the point with the strings and the athletes. But I, I think the next generation, I mean, I, this Felix guy, I mean, a, um, unbelievable player, right? Felix Auger Aliassimi is who we are talking about. Yeah. You have an athlete that also feels comfortable maybe going forward, he's trying to move forward a little bit, but also can play that deep game. That full court game, I think, is, is where, where it's going to be going. What's the most important stroke shot in pro men's tennis? Oof. I mean, I, I think the serve and, and the return. 
I mean, you have to get both. What's the most important stroke and shot in women's tennis? Is it the down the line backhand? I think the down the line backhand is, it opens up the court quite a bit. Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I, I think it depends. You always look to have two or three weapons, right, in professional tennis. And if you have more, then you're a superstar. And it could be your movement, it could be your, I mean, I watched Wozniacki last night and she has so much heart, but you look at it, wow, she got to one in the world with not being able to really penetrate that ball. But she can't crack it. She can't crack it, but you know what? More power to her. She's, she's able to figure it out to get to one in the world. So that's heart, you know, it's an intangible, right? It's not as obvious to the naked eye. It's hard to believe she got to one in the it world really the way she plays. Yeah. What are you seeing in terms of players that are falling out? The game is passing certain guys by mm. lickety split. Yet we see a Stevie Johnson be able to compete with a slice backhand and, well, and, uh, you're talking about an incredible athlete, right? Stevie Johnson, he, he can... Is that what it is? The, the, the guys who don't have that athleticism are no longer going to stay up in well, that top They're going to have to have something, something exceptional. Chucky Adams, who, you know... Yeah, I know Chucky, uh, yeah. yeah. So Chuck, it was his guest on our show, he says a million balls. You want to be pro, you got to hit a million balls. Is it, is it not that simple anymore? I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. yeah. I, it's I think, not that simple I, I think it's purposeful balls, right? So it's not, you know, you can hit a lot of balls, and I'm not going to name players, but there's some out there that didn't reach the top 100, but they hit two, three million balls, and they couldn't break through. And then you had others, maybe less, but there's really good purpose, technically. You know, they... they, they times have, are changing, man. Times are changing, yeah. Chuck also said, man, if you're not weighing your food... You ain't winning no more. If you're, Novak weighs his food. If you're not, <laughs> if you're not weighing your food, yeah. you're gonna fall out. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's also you have to have that belief, right? So if you feel like you're doing everything, you're not leaving a stone unturned. There's also the the spirit that feels like you know what? I look on the other side of the net. I'm fitter than you. I eat better than you. I'm more prepared than you. In those key moments, as we know in a match, you can have the same same amount of points that both won. Who won the key moments? And this is the psychology. Okay, this is our third set where we look closer at the career of our guest. Where'd you come up and where does your tennis story begin? Well, I'll start off by saying I had dyslexia as a kid. And dyslexia can be, there's a book called The Dyslexic Advantage. You know, it's actually quite challenging as a child. You know, you're seeing words backwards and you have to kind of look around the box. And I was just a very natural athlete. I played uh, professional hockey when I was 18. It was my primary sport. I didn't play junior tennis. And, but I love tennis and I played you know, recreationally and had some fun with it. You're fr are you from Jersey? I'm from New Jersey, yeah. You are? New York, New York, New Jersey. New York, New I played Jersey. a lot in Canada and, and yeah, played yeah. prep school hockey. But I, I, I always wanted to have, <laughs> crazy enough, I wanted to have a tennis program that was special, the program that I wish I had as a child. And I was searching for it, it wasn't around. Hold on a second, let's, yeah. one second. Uh, yeah. Dyslexia. Yeah. You walk in there, you can't read. Well, I can read, but yes. it's challenging, right? Challenging. So, How did you work through the dyslexia? Well, I had to work hard, but you know, I met a guy named Dr. Jim Lair. Dr. Dr. Jim Lair is a famous sports psychologist, sports psychologist and human that, performance specialist, and you know, he's incredible. He worked with many pro tennis players. Arthur Ashe introduced me to him, actually. It, you know, it was uh, 1991, you know, and it was incredible. Wait, so, so Dr. Lair helped you with dyslexia? He didn't help me with dyslexia. Basically what happened is he taught me so many things about the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, and tools, and how to take things on that really gave me clarity and peace of mind. So what I wanted to do is create a tennis program 
that if you were dyslexic in tennis, for instance, and you weren't so natural, that you had progressions that I would have needed in school. I didn't need it in sport. And one thing I find is there's so many uh, academies that the people running the academies are great athletes. So they assume that you're going to be able to do all these steps. With a lot of kids or adults, they don't see those steps, but I want to lay it out. Now, if you happen to be really gifted, you just go through those steps really quickly. If you're not, well, we're going to go from A to B to C to D, like you'd want if you're dyslexic, right? So I was an artist, art major, education major, you know, loved children, and I wanted to create a program that did that. So if you're extremely gifted, great, just fly through the curriculum. If you're not, we're going to plot you along, and you're going to become a great tennis player because you've been patient with it. Where were you when you were 25 years old? I played, uh, oh, I played hockey, and then when I was 20 years old, I went after professional tennis. And I, for nine years, I played in 30 different countries, and uh, it was uh, just an incredible experience. I worked with Jose, Jose Higueras the last three years I played, and he was very special to me Ho- as well. Jose Higueras, um, for those of you listening to the Jim Courier episode, Jim speaks to him, one of the most prolific and famous coaches, and he, I think he was probably a top coach. five player yeah, in, the six in the world. Yeah, yeah six. Yeah. Um, but so you basically stop playing pro hockey. How high did yeah. you get in pro hockey? I played like in, you know, the movie Slapshot. I mean, it was not a, it, Junior A or yeah, it, it was a Sun Valley Sun. So it was kind of like a, a local pro team that I played on. I was also a ski instructor out there. So I, I was a lot of a lot yeah. of sports. What was your best moment in in pro tennis? Oh my God, it, it was like Wimbledon for me. Imagine I'm I'm a total I'm a journeyman of journeymen. I mean, they, Jeff yeah. Grant had a movie called Journeyman. Yeah. Well, I, I was his hitting partner for, for that guy who was yeah. in the journey, right? I, I was in Silt, Germany, main main draw, and I, I it was seven six. I won the first set. I'm up five one, and I was so nervous because I had a match six months before that where I was up five one in the third, and I lost the match. I had that you know in your mind. I had that in my mind, and and I ended up winning a six one, and it was like I can't believe it. This is the most incredible thing. And I shared it with my first coach, who you started it when I was eighteen. My Carlos Cano, who was with me, you know, it was like an incredible moment. I loved it. You come up on the ATP website, the highest rank, you got to 935. Yeah, 930, and then in doubles, I think 810 or something, yeah. I mean, that is amazing, because when you watch you play, it's amazing to think how, how competitive, how good these guys all are. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was green as well, so there's a lot of learning. I was, I was learning things that you learn at 9, 10, 11 years old, at 21, 22. So it was a really interesting perspective of learning the game through those eyes as a mature adult that was really hungry to learn. And you know, I was like taking notes, videos all over the world of seeing programs that had special things that I wanted to eventually have in our program. You were like an apprenticing. I was totally apprenticing. It was my master's and my PhD going on around the world, basically. Man, Gordon, breaking it down. He got right out there and did it. Yeah, I sp- and I also met so many special people around the world when I played. I mean, one is Carlos Cano, another is Ogie Nikolovsky, another is Jeff Grant. You know, these are all people that are just solid, great human beings. Character is incredible. Dr. Lair, you know, this whole character area of character and children. A lot of fun things that all tie in together to help a player become the best version of themselves. Now let's move into our fourth set. Yep. This is the 10 ball scramble. This is not a deep dive. I, I'm gonna say something okay. and you say what comes into your mind. Go, go for it. Labor Cup. Special, great for the game. Davis Cup. Confusion. The ATP. Challenging. Why? Uh, politics. You're probably not the guy for that conversation yeah. today. Um, tennis parents. Intense. Technology. Very special to have around today. Racket technology. Advancing. 
String technology. Change the game. Favorite serve. Pete Sampras. Favorite forehand. What kind of forehand? <laughs> it's all up to you. Okay. Uh, on clay, Rafa. And where else? On grass, Federer. And on hardcourt? You know what? I like this for- forehand of Felix right now. I watched him on, in person yesterday. I, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, and Gordon, hot on, hot I'm on hot, Felix. I, I'm hot on Felix. I think this kid's the real Woo! deal. Uh, favorite backhand? Novak. Favorite volleys? Edberg. Your favorite player growing up? Uh, Jimmy Connors. Cheating in tennis? Play site. Can make the difference on that one. Play fair. Moving into our fifth and final set, we call this the king of the court. If you were the king of tennis and you could make a change with one swing of the scepter, what would you do? Tell you what, Mark Leschley, UTR, I think he's going to be changing the game of tennis. He's kind of like the Mark Zuckerberg uh, from Facebook of tennis. He's going to connect people like nobody's ever been connected. He's going to help clubs and, and kids and, you know, with foundations. He's, you're not going to have to travel as much. I'm hoping the world really connects. It appears it's going that way. You have Novak Djokovic as a partner. You have Larry Ellison. I became a partner. Um, you have Tennis Channel. You have Team 8 with Federer. I mean, it's really special what he's doing. I, I think that's that's a big one. So you're bullish on UTR and the uh, founder of this? Very much so. I think Mark Leshley played number one tennis at Harvard. He went to Stanford Business School, did incredibly well in Silicon Valley. He bought UTR, and then he had many connections in tennis, knows tennis. His father is top 10 in the world. You know, so he's, it's in his fabric, and he wanted to make a difference. Man, usually people get excited about being the king, but you seem to be handing the scepter to Mark Leshley. Uh, we clearly need to be speaking with this guy. Uh, first of all, um, thank you for stepping out of the Joker camp uh, for a moment to uh, talk with us. Absolutely. It's great to see you here on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, it's nice you know, we're here. back in New York, so uh, maybe we'll see you uh, on the East Coast soon. Um, do you go to Miami? I'm not going to Miami. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm there in spirit. Gordon Euling, uh, one of the most progressive people in this sport. Uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. You are released. <laughs> thank you. Huge thank you to Gordon Euling. If you want to have your gait assessed, your spirit evaluated, and your tennis potential achieved, you can learn more about Gordon's cutting-edge program at courtsense.com. Zia Victoria's song, Do It For Someone Else, can be found on iTunes and Amazon, and all proceeds go to the Novak Djokovic Foundation. Big thank you to Doug Miller and our friends at Open Court. I want to thank Justin Siegel and all the people at Rocket for hosting us in their suite. Thanks to Pam McClintock and Greg Kilday for the accommodations. And thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. And tell your friends. We can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. We also love hearing from you. So if you have a topic you want explored or a person you want to hear from, please let us know. Our email is info at underreviewtennis.com. At UR with CS is our Twitter handle. Underreview Tennis is our Instagram and Facebook. Our producer is Scott Tuft, and our music is by Brian Senti. Jason Biddick did our mix. 
We will be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released. <laughs>